Good morning and welcome, man, to Better Life Church. As Adam said, my name is Aaron and I'm the campus pastor at our Grayson location. And man, it is so good to see you this morning. And come on now, who is excited to be in God's house today? Come on, make a little bit of noise. Yeah. Man, I just wanna just take a few moments here and man, just say welcome all those here. I just want to say welcome to the Grayson family. I love you, man. God is doing some incredible things in Grayson, Kentucky. And I also want to welcome all those who have joined us online and specifically those who are even watching from our Ashland area. Listen, God is doing something special there. Continue to stay tuned as we continue to walk out what God is doing in Ashland, Kentucky. But let me tell you something, it has been incredible what God has been doing here at Better Life Church. And so we're gonna start today with a little bit of celebration. Once again, a little bit of praise. You know, over the past month, you know, we've seen people saved. Come on now, isn't that something to shout about? We have seen people saved, give their life to the Lord. We have seen people transformed. We have seen people find community find relationships. We have seen people join the mission of Better Life Church through our serving teams and through our ministries. We've even seen God just raise up some incredible leaders here in this church. And man, we can give God praise for all of those things. One more time at both of our locations. Come on. God is good. God is good. And before I take, say another thing, I want today to give honor and praise to two people that because of their yes, we are standing here today, because of their yes, we are in this room today, because of their faithfulness, their continued faithfulness and their daily decision to say yes to the calling of God on their life, we are here today. Come on now, church, with everything you got in us, would you give some honor and praise to our pastor and his wife, Daniel and Leanne Lucas, amen. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, and we are thankful for you your faithfulness. Man, today is gonna be, uh, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited, uh, I'm excited to be here, excited to get to preach to you, to bring the word to you. I wanna ask you one little question. What are you celebrating in your life right now? What are you celebrating in your life right now? Man, we've had a fun week at the Rayburn household. Fun, fun week. My oldest son, Asher, he turned four. He went from a toddler to a boy. Mommy's crying. Daddy's saying, just a couple more years, son, and we're gonna have a lot more fun. This is how much fun we had this, this, uh, this birthday. I got him a Nerf gun. Things just got real in the Ravens house. And I didn't just get him a Nerf gun. I bought the pack that came with four so that I can have one or two, and he gets one or two. So, man, be praying for Emily and our dogs uh, because Asher got a Nerf gun. But, man, we celebrated. We celebrated in the way that every good person from Grayson should, and that is with a Trace Hermanos meal and free ice cream four years in a row. But, man, I want you to think about that. What are you celebrating right now in your life? What are you celebrating right now? And I believe that if we're being honest, that over the past week, over the past month, maybe even over the past year, you may have found very little to celebrate in your life. Isn't it crazy how consumed our minds, how consumed our hearts can be with fears, worries, anxieties, disappointments, isn't it crazy how consumed our minds can be that we are so consumed that celebration isn't even a word that we use? 
I wanna ask you another question. How many of you have been struggling with some sort of worry, fear, or anxiety in your own life? Every single person, if we're honest, would be raising your hand right now. And you may be even wondering or ask yourself the question, why am I even worrying? Why? Why do I even feel this way? Why are these emotions even taking control of me? What is really at the root of my worry, really at the root of my fear, really at the root of my anxiety? Maybe these are some of the things you've been experiencing. And then another one, will I even be free? Can I ever in my life experience freedom from the feelings and emotions that I have right now? And today we wanna dive into it. And I wanna begin with a story. You know, I love to get a haircut. And I try to before every time I get on stage the best that I can. But I don't get to go to like a really cool barber shop like Brent's or, you know, like Tony's. No, I go to Tease and Tangles. It's a hair salon. And most of the time, 90% of the time, I'm normally the only guy there. And it's one of the hair salons that whenever your business, as soon as you walk into the door, it now becomes everybody's business. Because once you start the conversation, everybody hears your conversation. Love it though, love it. And so as I'm sitting there on, thir or on, uh, on Thursday this past week, and, and I just wanna affirm to you there, and this is how I know that the message is for us today. And I do say us, because as we always say so often, we preach into our weaknesses. As we're sitting there, I recognized one of the ladies that was in the room. She was getting her hair done, and man, I was just having conversation. It was light, it was fun, and then she had just mentioned that she had just got back from Texas. Well, if you are in Grayson or Olive Hill, or even in this region, and you hear somebody going to Texas, it's normally not on vacation. You may go to Magnolia Farms, but that's about it. Nobody else is really going to Texas for vacation. And you know where people go to Texas often for. It's for some sort of care. And that was exactly her story. She began to speak to me and open up a little bit and lots of just questions that I had for her. And she began to communicate that she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. That was two years ago. She was given a year and a half to live and here she is two years later. Praise God, praise God for that. She has a family. She just retired, so she has hopes and dreams of what retirement could be like. And I could just see all across her face, there was still joy. There was still a happiness. There was still a lightness to her. And the whole time while I'm getting my hair cut, I'm just thinking, how, how? How in the world? How in the world? And so, as every good pastor does, and I know where I'm preaching on, and I've already asked about 10, questions, 10 people this question already, just to continue seeing, I believe that what she says is one of the most profound lessons and one really living out what we're gonna be speaking into. And I asked her, I asked her this question. I asked her this question. How do you live? How do you live in the midst of what must be such great fear and worry. How are you living? How did you even get out of bed? Because you may be thinking, I know what my fears, I know what my anxieties are, and I know how they've even crippled me over the past month. How were you even here today? That was what I asked her. <laughs> today, our goal, 
I hope is so clear, and I hope by the end of it that you have, we have completed this task. Our goal is to explore one of Jesus's teachings to uncover the roots of our worry, our fears and anxieties, to identify the competing agendas that are going on in our hearts and minds, and to reframe your worry, to put our worries in their place. And I promise we'll get back to her story in just a few minutes. If you got your Bibles with you or your phone, we're gonna be looking at Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, verses 19 through 34. Now the context of this piece of scripture that we're gonna be looking at is right in the middle of one of the most famous sermons known to all the world. It is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus here, he has the disciples sitting before him and the, the multitudes of people listening. And this sermon is giving radical teachings that breaks down cultural norms and that challenges a new way to live. And I love this part every single week. So if you're ready, say, let's go. All right, let's dive into it. Verse 19. Once again, our focus right here, let's get to the root. Let's get to the root. 19, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and dust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. See, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be awesome. I wanna break this piece of scripture down just for a moment. You have to ask yourself the question, okay, he sets it up. Do not invest in the treasures here on earth. What are the treasures here on earth? And I believe they can kind of be broken down in four categories here within our culture and within our world views. Number one, the treasures are gonna be our own fleshly desires. Our culture right now, our worldview says whatever feels good, whatever makes you happy, go for it and go after it with everything in you. Our culture also has a high focus on the future. There's nothing wrong with planning for the future, but the future is oftentimes what consumes us. Focus on what we want to become and even what to prevent and how to prepare. And I promise the world will always tell you that there is something better, or as we say in Carter County, something gooder, you know what I mean, gooder. And then we see status and success. Man, status and success comes at us in waves. You have to be successful. You have to have a high status in our society to be anybody. And then the last one, which I think is so much true, the treasures, the material possessions. Our world says you need more, 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 and more. And here's what Jesus says about the treasures of the earth. They don't last. Half of why we need more and more is because what we think they bring us, they do not. And so we continue to seek after them. But we know in our hearts, they don't last. Now, I wanna pause real fast. What Jesus didn't say, okay? Let's make this abundantly clear. What Jesus didn't say is that you can't own a phone, can't buy a computer, can't have a nice home, can't drive a car, can't buy gifts for someone, can't save, can't invest. He doesn't say those things. Instead, it when it becomes, when these things become twisted, it becomes twisted when who we are and our worth are based on the things of this world. 
when your possessions, success, and personhood are your treasure. And here's what we know. These things will never, ever satisfy. I mean, I wanna be real and I wanna be honest. Me and my family in the spring, there was one thing we thought was gonna bring us happiness and joy, and it was a single axle camper. That was it. If you would look at my like Google searches and what I talked about and what I spent a lot of my time doing, it was looking and searching for that perfect camper. You know what I mean? Is anybody else like know that whenever somebody says, hey, can you help me find like a good camper for my family? I'm like, oh, watch out. Watch out, somebody just like literally, that's like the addiction within me to just spend all of my time because what I believe is that there is the perfect, you know what I mean? The perfect camper. Moms, you do this for sweepers. What's the perfect sweeper? They already made it, it's called the Ira or the Roomba, the Shark, whatever it is. Ours is called Bruce. He does a good job, he does a good job. But you see, within my heart, within my mind, we sought after this camper and it's not that it was bad. But man, the place that it had in my heart definitely, definitely was. And so in the spring, the Lord taught me contentment. And by that, I mean we bought a tent. That was it. Some of you will get that in just a second. And so for the next six months, we slept on a beautiful half-inflated air mattress. And it was a giant orange tent that my son just called the big orange tent because that's exactly what it is. You couldn't miss it from outer space. And that's what we did. We became content within it. Did I still try to hunt? Yeah, I had to fight it. I continued to try to fight it. But then finally, I laid it all down and man, it was so cool. I got to celebrate uh, some people here in the front row. We got to talk about just a little bit, man, we, uh, the Lord provided and he didn't provide a single axle camper. He provided a pop-up, baby, so it's a little bit of an upgrade. But it didn't consume my heart. It didn't consume my mind. It just, whatever happens, happens. We'll be fine in our tent. We'll be fine with whatever God provides in this moment. And I just use that as an example because so many of us, there are so many things in our life that we seek after in that way, that there is perfection that they will bring us all of these things. And what we find, I could have bought that beautiful, perfect, single axle camper right off the lot, and then what would my mind been consumed with? Where am I gonna store it? I gotta keep this thing? Oh my gosh, the payments? Our minds can become consumed then by the things that we thought would bring us joy. But Jesus says, Jesus says that real worth, real wealth is obtained by investing in the treasures in heaven. And so the same way we define the treasures of, of earth, let's define the treasures of heaven. Your generosity, your time with him in prayer, your forgiveness, your pursuit to share the gospel, your love for your enemies, your endurance through persecutions and insults, just having the desire to see God face to face at the end of your life. On the one hand, when the world is your desire, you'll be committed to storing up treasures here on earth. But on the other hand, and this is the most important thing, when Jesus is your treasure, and I do say Jesus, not the church, when Jesus is your treasure, you'll devote your life to live for his glory and the good of others. Jesus isn't finished, he continues on. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. 
When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And so flow with me for just a second. Jesus is trained of thought here. He says, number one, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. He then goes on, show that your heart is fixed on the value that God is for you in Christ. And then three, make sure that your eye is good, not bad. What does he mean by make sure your eye is good, not bad? What does it mean? Well, it continues from what we just spoke about. It means make sure that you see heavenly treasures, the thing not of this earth, as infinitely more precious than earthly material treasure. When your eye sees things this way, you are full of light. And if you don't see things this way, you are sleepwalking, literally sleepwalking through life. You are serving the treasures of the world as a slave without even knowing it because it has lulled you to sleep. You are blind to what is truly beautiful and precious and God-like. And I know you probably are even thinking right now, Aaron, what does this have to do with our worries? What does this have to do with my fears? What does this have to do with my anxieties? And here's what I think Jesus is saying, everything, it has everything to do with those three things. Do I treasure Jesus or do I treasure the world? Am I consumed with living and loving like Jesus or am I consuming the things of the world? So it begs us to ask, where am I storing my treasure? We have heard it said our lives can be a reflection of what we love. But I would even say that our worry is a reflection of what we love. And this love is being fought for. See, because there is competing agendas in this world. He continues on in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. No one. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. See, Jesus draws a line in the sand. You cannot serve both the world and God. It's like saying you can serve Louisville and UK. You can't. You've gotta make a choice. You've gotta make a choice. And there's a battle. There's a battle for this choice. There's a battle. Both the enemy and the Lord are fighting for your heart, are fighting for your attention. And if you notice there that you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money, that's the terminology in which he uses. It's not freedom that you find in those things, but it's actually enslavement that you find in those things. Your worship, your mind, your heart cannot be shared. He draws a line in the sand. We are in this constant battle to focus on the treasure of the world, to give our hearts to them. And at the same time, God is calling us into his love, his care, and his devotion. And so I want to finish this sermon today by helping you and helping myself to reframe our worry, to put our worries in their place. You see, up till this point, worry has not been mentioned one time. Not one time has it been, been used. 
but we are about to see how what was just spoken leads directly into Jesus's next words. And so often, even as a church, and even we like to just take this section that we are about to get to and forget what came before, but he uses these, this terminology, he says, in this way, or other terminology would say, therefore. So based on everything that I have just said, everything I've just spoken to you, therefore, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Did anybody just have Bob Marley go through their head? It will now, I'm sorry. I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? You see, the word worry here can be translated to chase after. And if you put it in the context, the treasures of the world, we chase after them. It's so easy to chase after the things of this world. And he says, isn't there more to life than these treasures? When believers live only for food, clothes, etc., we debase ourselves to being just like animals because that is the way that so much of nature thrives. How can I eat, survive, and continue to pass on my genes? How? Life becomes serv- about, all about serving our physical body, our physical wants and needs. Really what is most advertising, really what most advertising is, is about eat this, wear this, watch this. It's all about making the body attractive, pleasant, comfortable, and entertained. And here's what the first reframing is that Jesus says, your life, your life is so much more than these things. He continues on. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? You see, the worry that many people have is rooted in a low understanding of their value before God. They don't comprehend how much he loves and cares for both you and for me. Here's a hard fact. Worry is a sin. Worry is not something that God ever called us to do or called us into. And at the root, it makes us question God's character. I want you to focus in on this point here and say, because what happens? Worry, it denies his wisdom. It says that he doesn't know what he is doing. It denies the literal love of God. It says he does not care and it denies the power of God. It says that he isn't able to deliver me from whatever is causing me to worry. And no doubt, this is the reason that Satan constantly attacks God's character. I just recently read a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And there's this thing that I have probably quoted 20 times to people because it profoundly and radically shaped my mindset. Do you know what he tempted Eve with in the garden? What the enemy tempted Eve with in the garden? Some would say it was an apple, but actually it was an idea. It was an idea that she was tempted with. Of all the things, did God really say, if God really loved you, then he surely wouldn't kill you. Questioning not her and her ability, but his character. 
and his character fully. He wanted even Job to think that God was untrustworthy and evil and therefore curse God to his face. And church, you gotta know this. If Satan can get us to doubt God's character and our value to him, he can consume us with doubt, suspicion, fear, and depression, all to our own detriment. And so I ask you the question, do you know your great value to God? Do you know your great value to God? So much of the sermon illustrations that I will ever use right now is gonna be based around being a father. That's like the stage of life that I am. And through being a father, God is teaching me so, so much. And all the fathers in the house know, know that this truth here, that the value that God has placed on us is the same value in which we place upon our children. We have never devalued our kids. We have loved them unconditionally. We will do everything for them. We may not give them everything that they want in the Target toy aisle, but doesn't mean that we don't love them. Doesn't mean that we don't care for them. That is one of the greatest lessons that I have learned as a father that the Lord has taught me is his immeasurable love for me. How do I know that's true? Because the way in which I love my son, that is from God. That is from God. If God gave his best for us, his son, how will he not also provide everything else that we need? We are of supreme value to God. God gave it all for us. Our God enjoys us so much that he sings over us and wants to quiet our fears with his love. We must continue to grow in understanding this reality to overcome our fear. And I do say grow. You understand that. So much of what we are going through does not just go away in an instant, but is a process of continually walking out with God. And some of you right now, this is your biggest struggle. You don't know the immeasurable value that God has placed on your life. And here is what I encourage you to do tonight. Put your phone down, open up God's word, and begin to take this as the truth of your life. Even when you may not understand it, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it challenges you, even when it goes against your own preconceived beliefs and notions, when it goes against the world, I promise you, it will give you truth. It will give you truth. You've got fears, you've got worries. How much time have you spent in God's word? How much time? And we know the answer. You are valued, you are loved. And here, I had a friend, she sent me a, a message. She was just encouraging and giving us some words. She went to Titus and there's a, the opening statements of Titus, it says, the God who never lies. The God who never lies. So everything that we find in here is not a lie, but is fully and completely truth. And I want you to know today, to reframe your worry that you are loved more than you can imagine. 27, what a rhetorical question. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? This is like the sarcastic Jesus. 
This is the sarcasm coming out. Christ says, worry will not make us live longer. Like, can we add a day because we worry? No. Actually, this is so incredible. Dr. Charles Mayo of the famous Mayo Clinic wrote, worry affects the circulation, affects the heart, the glands, and the whole nervous system. He said, I have never met a man or, or known a man to die of overwork, but I have known a lot who died of worry. And I know I hate to say this, and I'm saying it to myself once again, worry accomplishes nothing. And we can add nothing to our lives by worrying. There may be greater sins than worry, but there are none more self-defeating and useless. And so Jesus' word says that your worrying will not change your situation. And he continues on. This is probably one of my favorite little sections here because it's so much of the dad coming out. He says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. This is just like an old-fashioned reminder. He's already like communicated all of this once before to his disciples. And I can just imagine a picture and saying, oh yeah, Jesus, all right, treasures in heaven, got it, yes. And they're just kinda like, oh man, that guy's camel looks good. Or man, look at what that guy's wearing. And they said, no, 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 come back, come back. Once again, remember, remind you, you're already drifting. Your mind is already thinking about the other things of this world. Once again, I wanna remind you, don't worry about those things. Don't let them consume your heart. This is literally the exact same thing he's already spoken, but in a new way. Why do you think that is? Because we don't get it. We struggle with this. And it's, he comes back to us. Don't worry about these things, treasures of the world, the drawings of the bad eye, the master called money. Look how beautiful you are. Look how valuable you are. God, my Father, will certainly take care of you. Remember that you are different. With me, life is so much different. Jesus here, once again, he reminds us that our physical well-being is not a worthy object to devote our lives unto. If you think it is worthy, then your God is the world, and your life is cursed with worry, and you will live life too much consumed, concerned, and dominated by the physical needs and wants. And he finishes there, look at that, you, your needs, your needs are not beyond God's care. What you have right now, the needs in your life, listen, they are not beyond God's care. And in the last two verses, we begin to see his final conclusion. He says, seek the kingdom of God. Remember how we said to worry is to run after, to chase after? This is in the same, to seek, to run after, to chase after the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. 
You see, if we go back to verses 22 and verse 24, we can see that our treasures and our worship, once again, where are they? Where are they? And we are back to where we began. We are back to where we began. Jesus didn't just tell them to stop worrying. He is not telling you to stop worrying. He told them to replace your worry with a concern for the kingdom of God. You see, a habit or a passion can only be given up for a greater habit or passion. You see, in the world there will always be more and you will find yourself never fulfilled. Your worry today will give way to your worry for tomorrow. And I want to challenge you right now to imagine, imagine in your mind, imagine if your hearts, if you sought after God and gave God the same focus, maybe not as much, but more than the other parts of your life. Imagine if you gave God more focus than the other parts of your life. Here's what's incredible. What you will find is that you will always want more and more and more and more of it. And every single time you come back, you will be left more fulfilled than you were before. How different is that than the things of the world? How different is that? And so he is very clear in his final moments here of this discussion. Seek first. Seek first. First, above all things, seek God. Seek God. In 34, he finishes. So don't worry about tomorrow. <laughs> Just like, oh, Jesus, no, <laughs> don't go there. Don't go into my future space. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And I love the word so, right there at the beginning. I wanna just put you in context here is that he's getting to this point to where he's basically saying, with all that being said, with everything that I have communicated to you, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. You see, there will always be some trouble in the day. And some days we'll have more than others. For this, I am sorry. We are not there yet. One day that will be true, that there will be no more worries. There will no be, be no more cares for the children of God. But for today, I'm sorry. There is troubles. And you will face difficulties. However, amidst the troubles, God promises to give us grace for the day. How do I know this? Because his word is true. And Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, church. We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, oh God. As we wake up in the morning and seek his face, grace is distributed. As Israel in the wilderness only received enough bread for the day, God often does the same with us. He often gives grace for the step that we are on, but not the next step. Only grace 
for the day. No man ever sank under the burden of the day. It is when tomorrow's burden is added to the burden of today that the weight is more than a man can bear. So in our final reframing of our mind, live today. I don't just live, celebrate today. Take advantage of the grace God gives you to be faithful today. Listen, you got a trial in your family? Do your best to love them today. Don't worry about how you will love them tomorrow. You've got a difficult boss that you can't stand? Honor and serve him today. You've got a sickness or a disease? Choose to hope today. Tomorrow, God's mercies are new. You feel like the the world is against you? Stand firm on the foundation today. Great are the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. It's not wrong to remember the past or plan for the future. It is easy to let the past and the future still our focus for today, you must ask the question, today who will I serve? Today who will I worship? Today how can I put up my treasures in heaven? It is the redirection back to our heart, back to our worship. Today, this moment now, it is God's gift to me and it's all that I have. Tomorrow with all its joys and sorrows, triumphs and troubles isn't here yet. Indeed, tomorrow may never come. Therefore, I will not worry about tomorrow. Today is what God has entrusted to me. And in the words of one of the most profound masters, <laughs> Master Ugwe, you are too concerned with what was and what will be. There is a saying, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why it is called the present. And so when I asked you earlier, when was the last time you celebrated? I know it maybe has been a long time. Jesus just finishes his discussion here with this challenge to celebrate today, to take the troubles of today and to give them to God. In closing, let's go back to the hair salon. To finish where I began, I asked her, how do you live in the midst of what must be such great fear and such great worry? As tears began to fill her eyes, she says the hope of heaven that keeps me going. The joy that I've seen, the laughter in her heart, the smile across her face was not based on her situation. It was not based on her circumstance, but was based on her immeasurable hope of what to come, her hope in the kingdom of God. She said, now it's not easy. Worry and fear still fight for my heart. She said, I'm a planner. I've said, me too. Aren't we all? She wants to look to the future. 
She wants to look at highlights of life, giving her daughter away, the, the hope of grandbabies, to plan for a healthy diagnosis at the end of the year, to be completely free of all the cancer in her body. And I'm not saying that God can't do all these things because he most definitely can. But she said, I can't worry. The future will consume me. The worry and fear of what if or what I may miss she said, what I have is today. And I just wanna go back to where we started. Where is her mind? It is on the treasures of heaven. What does her eye see? The light of the world. Who is her master? Man, this is so clear. It is God and God alone. Does she worry about things of the world? Absolutely. But she now sees clearly what life is all about and quickly put these worries in their place. How valued does she feel? Immensely. To be loved so much that when she takes her last breath, she will look upon the face of God because of what Jesus has done for her. Can she add a day to her life? And she would say, I can't give away today for the worry of tomorrow. Each day is a gift. What ways does she seek the kingdom? In her words and deeds. And what about the trouble of today? And here's where I wanna encourage you with that final word that she spoke. Enough, but not overwhelmed. <laughs> Enough, but not overwhelmed. And church, there is so much truth in all of that. And so what I hope is that she is teaching you something or she is showing you. She is right now being a representation of all that Jesus has spoke to us. Now, what is trouble is that many of us right now haven't been given six months to live. And I guarantee you that if we reframed our mind to live in that way, that our hope and our future was connected to a much sooner time, and you knew when you were gonna die, I know we would live differently. And so she reframes her mind of all the things that Jesus spoke about. To be kingdom-minded, to celebrate today. Church, I believe that we can be free from our anxiety and worry, but we must look deep inside our hearts. We must find the idolatry. We must uncover our treasures and find where our treasures are in the wrong spot. And we must fight, we must fight to stay grounded in the truth found in God's word. And we must reframe our mindset about our belief about who God is, how much he loves us, and how much he cares for us, and the incredible, incredible hope that we have in Jesus. And today with all heads bowed, all eyes closed across both of our locations, Today I wanna to give you an invitation. Today I wanna to give you the invitation that God has given every single one of us. And once again, I'm speaking to myself in this moment. He is giving us an invitation to be free of our worry, our fears and anxiety. He's given you the invitation to identify the master of your life. Is it God or is it the things of this world? What is consuming you? 
I give you the invitation to know your value. Worry is unproductive. Give you the invitation to trust in God's providential care, to give you life fully and completely to him. And I give you the invitation today. See, so many of you all, you are struggling right now with your worry and anxiety because you have not fully surrendered your life to the one who takes all worry and all anxiety and all fears and all failures, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I give you the invitation today to surrender your heart, to surrender your life to him, fully to him, to repent of your sins, to repent of your worship, to the idols of this world. I give you the invitation to walk daily in his promises, his grace and truth, looking forward to the things to come. And I give you the invitation to celebrate today. And so what I wanna do is two prayers today in both of our locations to close this out. Prayer number one, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, I ask you, I implore you to pray this prayer with me to give your heart, to give your life to him. You can pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And the best I know how, I give my life to you. Not just parts of it, God, but all of it. God, please, right now, identify the idols in my life. Lord, I repent of those and I give my life fully to you. And in closing, help me, Jesus, to follow you all the days of my life, to seek after your kingdom above all things. If that's you today, we wanna celebrate with you in our Next Steps location. But today, I also wanna just take a moment because I know what my heart has felt over the past months, and I wanna give you the same opportunity today that I've been experiencing. I've had people pray over me. I have prayed with people who have been going through anxiety, who've been going through fear and worry. And today we want to do the same thing. If you would be so bold this morning with all eyes closed, all heads bowed, would you please just raise your hand? Would you please just raise your hand if you've been struggling with worry, if you've been struggling with fear, if you've been struggling with anxiety? Thank you for being so open and honest this morning. Now here's what I want you to do. Both of our locations, grab the person sitting next to you by the hand. Because here's what I know is that even when you didn't open your mouth or raise your hand that you have these things, I know that you do. And so as a church today, we wanna say this prayer together over the fears and worries and anxieties in our life that they have no place in our hearts. They have no place today in our hearts because we will seek first the kingdom of God. We will celebrate and focus on today, not on the worries of tomorrow. Church, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, that we can come to you with our cares, with our worries, with our fears, with our anxieties today. And Lord, we know that we have misplaced our hearts. We know that we have chased after these things that we were never meant to. And Lord, today we all as a church ask for repentance, God, 
Forgiveness of our idolatry, forgiveness of our worship to these things, Lord, as a church. And Lord, today we pray a special prayer that you would begin to break the chains of anxiety that are happening right here in this place. We pray that you would break the chains of fear in this place today. We pray that you would break the chains of worry today in this place, that we would seek after you, God, that we would give these things to you, that we would reframe our worries, reframe our mind to the incredible hope that we have in you, your incredible love and your care. Today, God, we are in the process of living, not for the world, but to you. Help us every single day, Lord, to do just that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.